What is it you're actually up to right now? Uh, well, today, to start, okay. <laughs> I'll be rehearsing with Roger Lewis for this, his baritone saxophone choir that's playing at Jazz Fest on Friday. How many, many barriers is that? Four barriers, and I'm playing bass function on bass sax. Okay. Which is something I'm starting to do more of slowly, something I've been wanting to do for like as long as I've played music and uh -huh. some kind of, you know, you know, 15 years later, finally doing it. So uh -huh. that's kind of cool. And uh, it's mostly hinges around sax fascination. I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I played bass also as a youngster and just didn't really, it just didn't really keep up with it. And what, stand-up bass? Electric, electric bass. bass. Electric bass. And I think, you know, it's a way to do it. You know, I mean, I'm a saxophone player at this point. That's pretty undisputed, but it's a way to kind of get back to that aspect of my uh -huh. whatever, you know. Uh-huh. And, um... Is, uh... So you got the saxophone quartet going on with with his thing. What kind of music are you doing in there? Uh, it's almost entirely charts written by Tony Negrati. Like some, you know, do like you know, some jazz standards to feature Roger, some some dozen stuff because you know mm -hmm. people like that. And uh, a couple of very astral projecty sounding songs. Is he playing on it? Tony, yeah, yeah. So what is this, you and Roger and Tony and who? Tim Green and uh, Calvin Johnson. Okay. I haven't heard. And uh, uh, Shannon, I think he's playing drums. It's the last I heard. So I got a drummer too. Yeah. Um, and what else? And so, uh, well that's a pretty serious uh, New Orleans act, uh, you know, in terms of people that are in it. What? Um, have you played with that group before? We did Last Jazz Fest. We've done a couple of Snug Harbors, too. Oh, how did that come out? Uh, Last Jazz Fest was a riot. People loved it. Uh-huh. I mean, it's so, so unlikely, but musically pretty accessible, you know what I mean? So, is it, do you think it's funny that Jazz Fest has become, like, that's the showcase for, for something that isn't getting... I mean, that's not a group that's, like, out playing around town or doing anything, not even in performing art, not even at like a museum or something. So right. what's your take on this particular end of the... Uh, well, as it relates to, to, to the, the economics of Jazz Fest? Yeah, and the music scene in general. Well, I mean, it's an interesting left of center thing that isn't too left of center, so it's safe for the, you know, like the, 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 the guardians of the vault uh -huh. that don't like to let people in to take some money out without it being like having some kind of New Orleans seal on it. But you can put Roger Lewis's name on it. He is working all the time in New Orleans as a very New Orleans right, act. Right, And it's, you know, like, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't exist at all if it wasn't for the jazz, the first Jazz Fest gig. You know, everything kind of hinged around the first Jazz Fest gig, getting the Snug Harbor gigs, any other gigs that Roger's talking about, you know, nothing would happen without the first Jazz Fest gig. And we have the first Jazz Fest gig because Roger's boy Gregory Davis books the jazz tent. I mean, that's... Right. So that, that counts for the Jazz Festival. Were you doing other gigs at the Jazz Festival? Yeah, play with Trombone Shorty. So what's going on with Mr. Shorty and uh, the perception of New Orleans in the world? Uh, the perception of New Orleans in the world. Now, that that's a bit of a loaded question there, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah, that's, it's, we, <laughs> we can probably hone it down, but depending on your answer. Yeah, yeah uh, the perception of New Orleans in the world, it's interesting because the... 
I mean, if, if I'm going to gauge that based on the reactions of audience members, the reactions of audience members are pretty varied and and you know multifaceted. You know, I've heard. Mm -hmm. You know, when friends of mine have come to shows sometimes in other cities and been kind of been able to be fly on the wall in the crowd, they've heard things like, "What? I thought this was a band from New Orleans. What's with all the white people on stage?" Oh, really? Is that still going on in the world? That's really disturbing. And you know, or and totally the other end, like you know, look how new awesome in New Orleans this is. Uh -huh. And also, like, well, this is great and everything, but where's the snare drum, bass drum, or the tuba, or you know what I mean? Uh huh. So what's your every every kind of p permutation you can think of? Someone has said somewhere. What's your take, having done that on those sorts of ends of people's? conception of what New Orleans was, because I find that gets weird even within the city, so you right. know, and you're, and you're playing on what right now is a poster board, Pretty, what people call New Orleans, the poster board, the, the poster board yeah. New Orleans music act uh, that's out there in front of, in well, front of a lot of people, well, but... Part, you, of, part of the reason that he's the poster child right now is that he's not 100% party line New Orleans, uh -huh. they can say that he's new and hip, uh -huh. and young and... and you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, and then they say that about him, and that's a big part of the marketing that mm -hmm. goes on around him, per perpetrated by his people as well as everyone else mm -hmm. that would like to see New Orleans music out into out in the world, or at least their take on New Orleans music. He's not, you know, like the the, the classic jazz fest line of what New Orleans music is is not really what Troy does, but it's close enough that they can justify the differences by calling him young and hip. They can kind of like... It, what he does is almost subversive in a certain way on a musical level, but they can kind of discount what's subversive by saying, oh, it's because he's 25. Yeah, that's that tends to be the way that it works. and. I mean, you know, I, I'm in. I, you and know, I mean, he's aware of these things. I mean, uh, a lot of people think that he's just this like. Oh no, I think he's aware. Post Kermit reference kind of like playing the role guy, but he's not. He's pretty perceptive. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're all aware. I mean, you know, we we are. Let's put it this way: we are all aware, except for largely New Orleans journalists and New Orleans, you know, sort of larger production people tend to be entirely ignorant of certain kinds of features. But I'm, although I'm, sometimes I think they do it on purpose, because of, anyway, it's not about my opinions, but I always wonder whether they... You know, it's just one of these things where, yeah, I mean, exactly, like, you, you actually have a fairly, a very inclusive act in terms, of the, in, terms of, in terms of style, in terms of different kinds of sounds that are going on in the band. A lot more than I've seen in a long time in a band in that position, because usually... The forces that are at large here are trying to limit the idea of what New Orleans music is, which means that they're, they it precludes ninety percent of yeah. music in the city. I mean, part of in, in, part of that is that you know the people that are around Troy have been trained not to discuss the particulars of his music with him because he's not having it. He's the genius. I see. And get out of my fucking shit. And it's been that way since, you know. I mean, it's been a uh, on one hand. The band and him as a, you know, himself without the band have been at it for a very long time. On the other hand, on a certain way of looking at it, it's been a kind of meteoric rise. I mean, I've been in the band four years this July. When I was in the band, I was did a, a few tours where I was kind of quasi-tour managing as well as playing baritone sax. And so I know, you know, we were doing gigs for $500 guarantees. I mean, he was paying us more than that. 
Right. You know what I mean? You know, and so in four years, which is not a lot of long, really a long time in the grand scheme of things, it's gone from basically like nothing uh-huh. to this massive thing. And there were industry people working with him way back then that were kind of banking on this happening. Mm-hmm. That may have been at that time trying to tell him what to play to kind of mm-hmm. and say and saying and whatever. And he's just since the day one has just been, you know, I I'm the genius. I know I've been doing this twenty years. Get out of my face. Well, that's good. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, it sounds good to me. Yeah, I was making you know, some blanket value judgments. So what? Um, let me see here. Before you were doing trombone shorty, what were you up to? Uh, I led much more of a musical double life. I mean, I've always, at, at that time, I've always had kind of like one corner of my musicality, which is very, you know, commercial and grinding and jobbing and making money playing music. And then the other side, you know, whatever freak show kind of things mm-hmm. that, you know, creative, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. that I was doing. And, uh, you know, before Shrummer Short, I was with New Orleans Jazz Orchestra, and that paid... A, but didn't play a lot of gigs, and all the gigs paid a lot of money, so it enabled me to, you know, scheme my craziness a lot more. <laughs> and what was the, what do you think, let's just continue on there, what do you think were the perceptions of New Orleans music that people had from that band? Uh, that band I feel is more was much more much more than Trombone Shorty relying on marketing I mean the 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 musical forms were kind of this Wynton Marsalis light which isn't really all that New Orleans I mean it's that's very much of a a New York aesthetic as far as I'm concerned Uh uh-huh you know and that's where Irvin is coming from and what he was generally doing but we had the Name New Orleans in the thing. We'd end this, you know, with end the show with a second line and play a song that was nominally, maybe kind of based on a Mardi Gras Indian chant. And then, you know, he would, Irvin would say something about New Orleans being the northernmost port of the Caribbean. And so then we'd play a Latin tune. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh huh. I mean, my feeling with the New Orleans Jazz Orchestra is the it's New Orleans because Irvin said it was New Orleans. I see. <laughs> Not because there was, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And, and because maybe half the band at the time when I was in it was based here, you know? Uh-huh. I mean, in some ways it's like, I think that's good because it, it, it stops people from having a cliche about what the limitations are of New Orleans. I mean, I, I'm, I always wonder questioning what, you know, the, the whole aesthetic that, that goes on in the city with New Orleans music being just this, it's really, you know, six bands served, and then you're supposed to either be if to get in, you have to perform an imitation of that. Well, I so mean, you're, I you're I, down to, I find myself in this really know. in a very conflicted position on this issue because uh, I consider myself at this point in my life. It's is a relatively recent kind of conclusion that I've come to, but I really consider myself to be a New Orleans musician. You are coming out of yeah. the canon. The canon that the people that were complaining about are determining, you know, on some level, coming out of that and being informed by that, but not limited to that. You know, I'm not. I don't no longer consider myself a jazz musician. I'm a New Orleans musician. I don't play jazz 
whatever that means. We can get into an argument about that. You know, well, let's discuss that. What is nuisance? Yeah, let's get in an argument about that. What, um, <laughs> what, what gives you the supposition that the New Orleans music isn't jazz? Well, uh, presuppose. Th th this is this is a word that a lot of people have co-opted to their own uses. Let's say, for the sake of this argument, that we are defining jazz only for the sake of this argument, not in any kind of absolute sense, as a. Uh, post-jazz education construct. Well, that's what we're talking about now. So we're talking about the post-jazz in schools construct. So that's yeah. what we mean by it's not jazz. Yeah. So it's not it's not ec academic jazz. It's not the jazz that is being promote pushed to to students as a, as, as the idea that they'll become important artists. Well, not or or, <laughs> Sorry, or yeah. as a form that exists because I don't think it even really exists. Mm as they say, not even in academia. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, that's a good point. Okay. So... Okay, so then now New Orleans music, okay. I, I'm, I'm more concerned, let's put it this way. But it, I mean, it's, it's about musical priorities. You know, okay, we can boil this down to musical priorities. You know, uh... In much of the musical world, there's a, a an emphasis on a certain kind of precision of execution, which is relatively low on the hierarchy for the bulk of New Orleans musicians because by putting an emphasis at the top of the list on a certain approach to precise execution you're losing the opportunity to uh, be creative and improvise in a way that's not totally free that's still based around parts and still based around structure like like it p playing in a horn section where the parts are where there are parts, but you don't really have to play exactly the part every time. Right. Then that what whoever had heard in uh, this kind of um, social improvised music that you had to play the same part the same way the same time the, the same way the next time. Well, I mean that's a very as opposed to. You know, maybe I'm, uh, yeah, maybe that's not a jazz aesthetic that that's in, in, in opposition to so much as like a pop It's definitely different than, than pop music. Yeah. We know that. And we know, we, we know definitely that New Orleans music is a, is already playing improvised variations on pop music from the, from the inception. But, okay, to bring it back to, to, to the jazz and can, you know, the fact that you have a horn section at all, yeah. that you're not, that it isn't, isn't necessarily a soloist music. Okay. I mean, it is and it isn't. It's just one aspect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, th a lot of things have gone on here and come out of here. I mean, I think it's you know like I mean, everything. <laughs> like yeah, like everything. I mean, that's why mostly that's mostly why I'm concerned about the one thing served uh, uh, right. thing. You know. And well, okay, okay, okay. This looseness that I'm talking about, which isn't what I said. What I put it forth as an example is just one example. But the what I'm kind of defining loosely as this New Orleans aesthetic. It's this aesthetic that enables everything to come from here. If you tighten it up too far, everything can't come from here anymore. Yeah, because but, you're limiting the process. Yeah, but the, I think. Do you see you, what I'm saying? I'd argue that you've bought the painting. I, I've read long tracks by the people when Professor Longhair started making that music, and he would had to rehearse the band to sound sloppy. They were going for an aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. That means if people don't realize that, then they're buying. It, the 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 
image in the artwork more than the more than the the conception of the artist and you know and then that's in a way it denigrates the quality of those musicians is to say okay we're going to try to create an expression here and and then everyone becomes a slave to the image rather than the rather than the process of coming out with an, an I would an still expression. argue that the fact that that was the goal is part of what I'm talking about Okay, I can get with that, but that that has to do with certain, like again, painting an image of the world that they were living in. Then you know the fastest the world. I'm not sure we live in the same world, and we got to keep painting. The, you know, yeah, we keep painting the same image over well, and over I mean, again. You know, just, okay. My my disclaimer on all of this is that you know, ninety five percent of the gigs that I do now are with one artist. Yeah, and so my, I am kind of you know sorting through what it means for me to be in this band. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the things that I'm saying do make sense in that context, mm -hmm. if not in any, and not, if not in an absolute context. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you can't be in Trombone Shorty and Orleans Avenue and your musical aesthetic be about, at the top of the list, be about precision of execution. I understand, I understand. But on the you other know, hand, there is some kind of precision of something. What Really, all I'm saying is that you know, I mean, from my perspective, you can tell because the best brass bands that are out there are whatever, you Incredibly know. Incredibly tight. Yeah, 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 Rebirth, Hot Eight, yeah. these, these bands, where there clearly is an aesthetic and that is not matched. In other words, like, I mean, I don't There's know. a quality of musicianship right. there because they're only pulling people in that can do this particular I mean, kind of thing. I don't know about you know? the other bands, but I mean, I was around some guys in Hot 8 early in my musical life in New Orleans, yeah. like hanging out, not, you know, sitting in sometimes. And at least in like, at least 10 years ago, yeah. these guys rehearsed more than any other band in New Orleans. Right. Okay. So they, yeah. they, they had guys come into rehearsal just to get a chance to maybe play a gig. So what I'm saying then is that you they know? are actually putting together a sound. It, 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 in a way, it, it's a kind of tuning. Yeah. Like, or you would say, oh, it's out of tune. Well, no, this doesn't make sense. It's clearly in some kind of harmonic... You know, there's a there's there's a thing there that they're making that you can't that Joe Slop musician down the street cannot do. Right. Well, I mean, you know, you know, and that's that's Soul Rebels. To, just to take an example, Soul Rebels is a band that is in tune from a Western art music perspective. Right. They're in tune. They're not following this, you know, kind of right. white New Orleans stereotype of the attitude brass band. Right. You know that, like, yeah. From a jazz educator standpoint, they're in tune. They're right. Period. Yeah. And they're a great New Orleans great brass band. band great you know? band, yeah. Yeah, but th these are interesting features then, because that's what I mean. It's like, well, the best in the field. You can definitely say that it is something.